if you have your Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. As we think back over the last 10 days, we've had some different kind of weather, and I'm just using statistics from Nashville because that's our closest reporting center, but on Friday, December 31st, New Year's Eve, we set a record for the record high temperature for New Year's Day, 78 degrees. If you can remember back that far, I know we've slept at 8 since then, but it was sunshiny and nice, and we could walk around in our short sleeves, and it was a terrific day. On Saturday, New Year's Day, we had storms and tornadoes. And then on Sunday, the rain turned into snow. Uh, and then on the 6th, on Thursday, we had the biggest snow ever in history for January the 6th. The old record was 4.3 inch, 4 inches. Nashville got 6.3. We got a little less than 5 at our house, and most everybody got between 4 and 7 inches of snow. And so the old saying goes, if you don't like today's weather, uh, just hang around and it'll change. You'll find something you like. I'm sort of like the lady somebody put on my Facebook. She uh, sat down and she put her hands on her, on her thighs and she said, I'm looking out the window to see what chapter of Revelation we're going to do today. And that seems to be kind of like what our, our weather has been. Sometimes life comes at us fast, doesn't it? Sometimes it comes at us when uh, we least expect it. Life throws us a curveball. And, and there are a lot of what I call stress prescriptions out there. Uh, there are a lot of things people do. They spend lots of money. People spend millions of dollars learning how to deal with the curveballs that life throws at us. And this morning I'd like to give you a stress relief, a relief prescription, first of all, that's free. And second of all, it comes from God, and it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we're in the middle of a series that's entitled, God is Bigger. Last week we talked about the fact God is bigger than our past. We all have a past, we all have things we would like to put behind us, and sometimes Satan comes along and he brings that past up at inopportune times, and he... he we get defeated, we get depressed, and we realize that when we bring our past to God and ask for forgiveness, God is bigger than our past. Well, this morning, God is also bigger than our fear. He's bigger than our anxiety. And before we get into 2 Chronicles 20, I need to give you a little bit of background about King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is a real person. You know, Jehoshaphat in the South, we say jumping Jehoshaphat. If something excites us or something gets us, it's just hard to believe. We say jumping Jehoshaphat. But Jehoshaphat was a king in Judah. He ruled about 61 years after Solomon. And 2 Kings chapter 3 tells us that Elisha the prophet liked Jehoshaphat. And for... Uh, Elisha, to respect anybody, is pretty amazing because when you read about the life of Elijah, Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, it seems like Elisha didn't like much of anybody. But he respected Jehoshaphat for what he was trying to do as king. And as far as kings go, 
Jehoshaphat was considered one of the good kings. He followed God. He tried to get the people to obey God and follow God. The one negative that's brought up about Jehoshaphat, it says that he did not remove the high places. And basically what, when you read that, and y'all, when we're reading our Old Testament daily Bible readings, when we get there, the high places are those places in Canaan or wherever, but it's those places that are up high of the mountains where they would build idols and they would build altars uh, to their gods and goddesses. Jehoshaphat encouraged the people to follow God, but he did not get rid of the high places. Some of the kings did. Jehoshaphat did not. But 2 Chronicles brings us to a place in the reign of Jehoshaphat where he was pitched a mighty curveball. And let's examine how, examine how he and his people reacted and see if we can't learn a few things about handling life's stresses ourselves. And this lesson isn't complicated. Basically, I'm going to bring out ten things that just kind of jumped out at me when I read through the text. And I don't know if you want to call them points or whatever. I've got a follow-along sheet. If, if you want to follow along, if not, you could write your grocery list on the back of it. It'll work well uh, for that as well. But as we read through our text, I want to read, first of all, verses 1 through 3. 2 Chronicles 20, 1 through 3. It happened... After this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazaron Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. When I read these three verses, what jumps out at me is the fact that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be afraid. This is going to happen to all of us. We're all going to face circumstances that are bigger than we are, things that make us afraid or, or things that uh, make us anxious. If we don't want to use the word afraid, we live in a society today uh, with, with all the COVID, with all everything that's going on, and uh, different uncertainty about the government, uncertainty where our country's going. And if we're not afraid, I, I'm so, I can honestly say that we're probably a little bit anxious about wondering what's going to happen. And, and it's okay to admit we're afraid. I was watching Walker, Texas Ranger last night, you know, Chuck Norris, uh, and a little girl asked him, he, she said, uh, Ranger Norris, or, or, or you, or Ranger Walker, or are you ever afraid? And he put his arm around her. He said, "Honey, we're all afraid sometimes." And if let me tell you, if Chuck Norris can be afraid, we can be afraid. Amen. Uh, it's all right to admit we're anxious. It's all right to admit we're nervous. It's all right to admit we're afraid. Sometimes circumstances are just bigger than we are. I've got to admit, uh, I get overwhelmed easier now than I used to. When I was younger and I was running restaurants, I'd go to a management conference and one of the exercises they would do, it seemed like every one of them, is they, we would get in a circle and start pitching tennis balls. And the purpose of it is to keep the balls up in the air. And so sometimes you just have one, sometimes you'd have a ball in each hand keeping the, and I was pretty good at playing that game then. And used to when I was running restaurants, I could run 
and back up by two front counter-registers in the drive-thru. I was a pretty good runner, and I wouldn't get overwhelmed, and I wouldn't get excited. But now, it seems like when life comes at me fast, I get overwhelmed a little easier than I used to. I don't handle uh, four or five. Now I've got to catch one ball and put it down before I grab the next ball. Can you relate with me? Are you all there? With It's okay to admit we're afraid. It's okay to admit we're anxious. It happens to everybody. There are situations that are bigger than us. So can I tell you that when you're in fear and when you're in doubt and when you're anxious, admit it. You say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid. God, I'm scared. God, I'm anxious. God, I need your help with this. Number two in verse, let's read verse four. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. It's okay to be afraid. And secondly, when you're afraid, go to church. Notice what they didn't do. They didn't get into their cliques. They didn't shut themselves up into their houses. They didn't stick their head in the sand and say, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. All the God-fearing people got together. Can I tell you that's one purpose of church? Somebody says, why should I be in church? Why should I be involved with church? Can I tell you because it's your family? Can I tell you that church ought to be a place when you are afraid and when you are scared and when you're anxious, you can come and find comfort, can come and admit it, can come and say, I need help. Can I tell you that if your church isn't that way, there's something wrong with your church? The church is not a resort for all of us who have it together. The church is a hospital for those that are sick and trying to get better and trying to, to find comfort and trying to find peace. When you're afraid, admit it's okay. Or just admit you're afraid. It's okay to admit it. You know, we're kind of taught that as men, you don't ever say you're afraid. Real men don't say they're afraid. Well, I say if Ranger Walker says it's okay, it's okay. And King Jehoshaphat, it says these people were afraid. It says there in verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared. I just thought of this. This just popped in my head. Do you know one thing fear does for us? One thing our anxiety does for us is it helps us realize that there are situations that we can't handle on our own. There are situations where we need help, and it's okay to admit we need help, and when you're afraid, come to church. When you're afraid, call a church member. When you're afraid, call a sister, call a brother in Christ, and let's help each other. Because you know what? I'll bet when you tell your brother or sister that you're anxious, that they're honest, they're going to tell you they're anxious too. Because that's the age in which we live. It's okay to be afraid. When you're afraid, go to church. Let's start reading in verse 5, verses 5 through 9. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not... God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, 
so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Number one, it's okay to be afraid. Number two, when you're afraid, go to church. Number three, when you're in doubt, praise. When you're in doubt, praise the Lord. Can I tell you that when you remember how small you are, and have you ever gotten news that makes you feel small? You're sick, and it's not a quick fix. It's cancer, it's your heart, it's whatever. Your kids drop a bombshell. Husband or wife says they're leaving, they're done. And you feel small, and you feel afraid, and you feel alone. Can I tell you, in those times, praise God. Just start praising God. Because when you remember how small you are, and that's how you feel, when you start praising God, you remember how big He is. Amen? Amen. When you start praising God and realize how big God is, you start taking your mind off your problems. When you put your mind on God, you take your mind off your problems. Remember Peter when they were in the storm? And the boat was rocking and they thought they were going to die. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. And when they realized that Jesus wasn't a ghost, when they calmed that part down, Peter realized where he needed to be was with Jesus. He realized that boat wasn't where safety was. Jesus is where safety was. When we think about how small we are, that's what we're going to focus on. But when you start praising God, when you start singing victory in Jesus, when you start singing I'll fly away, when you start singing are you washed in the blood, your mind gets away from your problems and you realize how big God is. Paul and Silas were in prison. They were in the deepest part of the prison. You know what they were doing? They were singing and praising God. How in the world can someone, if you're in the middle of the deepest part of the prison, how could you praise God? Paul and Silas did. Because they understood that God was bigger than their fear. God was bigger than their anxiety. God was bigger than their worry. It's okay to be afraid. When you're afraid, go to church. When you're, when you're in doubt, praise. Look at verses 10 through 12. And now... Here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. 
It's okay to be afraid. When you're afraid, go to church. When you're in doubt, praise the Lord. Then next, don't worry. Be prayerful. Don't worry. Be prayerful. Yes, God knows what we need. God knows what we need better than we know what we need. But you know what? Being specific in our prayers helps us to turn our specific concerns over to God. And it shows a willingness for us to let God handle things. Notice a couple of phrases here in these verses. In verse 12, we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us. Did you ever feel that way? It might not be armies from, a sur from surrounding countries, but it may be back to that same health crisis. It may be financial crisis. It may be relationship crisis. Have you ever felt out of control? Just your situations that are around you, you couldn't control, you couldn't help it, you couldn't do anything to, to fix it. That's where Jehoshaphat, they said, we have no control over this. And then notice what the king of Judah says. He says, we don't know what to do. Could you imagine our presidents? I don't care if it's Biden or Trump or George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. Could you imagine a president of the United States standing up in the Oval Office with that, with the TV cameras on and that seal there of the White House of the United States? And could you imagine a president saying, we don't know what to do. God help us. On the one hand, it might be a bit scary, but you know what? To me, that would be refreshing. Because in all honesty, sometimes we don't know what to do. Guess what? God knows. Let's learn to turn things. Let's be specific. Lord, help me in this health crisis. And can I say while we're on that, don't necessarily pray for God to make you well, although that's a perfectly fine prayer. But we also need to pray that we can learn to praise God in the midst of our sickness. That we can learn to be a witness for God with whatever we were going through. Help us handle whatever our situation is in a godly way. That'd be a good prayer too, wouldn't it? Leave it to God. Let God, let God handle it. And then verses 13 and 14. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children stood before the Lord now, this isn't in my sermon notes. It's just jumped out at me. But notice that he says in verse 13, Now all Judah with their little ones. Sometimes we think our little ones are too little to bring to church. There's a Greek word for that. It's called hogwash. Your kids are never too little to bring to church. Your grandkids are never too little to bring to church. Sarah last week apologized because the baby started crying. Can I tell you this? Having that baby crying to me is a blessing. Because the church where there's not babies crying means that the church that may not have a future. Bring your little ones to God. Bring your little ones to church. Well, there they were. Their little ones, their wives, their children, they stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeliel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, the sons of Asaph, in the middle of the assembly. 
After you've prayed, then you need to stand up and wait on God. Stand up and wait on God. Too many times we kneel in prayer, then we stand up and go to fix it. Don't we? We ask God to take care of our problem, then we want to start fixing it ourselves. After all, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves, right? I tricked you. The Bible doesn't say that. Let God fix the problem if you turn it over to him. Let God take care of it because God will. Now, I'll bring that up in a minute. We need to learn to stand up and, and wait on God. Too many times we get like Eddie Haskell. Too many times we want to pray and ask God to, to fix things. Lord, take this problem away from me. Lord, take this burden away from me. Lord, heal me. Lord, fix me. Lord, fix my husband. Lord, fix my kids. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Then we stand up and say, Lord, here's what you ought to do. Right? We might not use those exact words. Y'all are grinning. Y'all done that too, haven't you? Sometimes we want to tell the Lord how to run things. Can I tell you the Lord doesn't need my help? And I don't want to offend anybody here this morning. He doesn't need yours either. He, he keeps the world going just fine. God is bigger than your problems. God is bigger than your fear. God is bigger than my problems and my fear. Let's stand up and wait on God, and that is a hard thing to do because when I want it fixed, I want it fixed right now. I've got a really bad, I'm not real patient when it comes to it. If we need something, I can go get it. There's a Walmart for that. You know, there's a Lowe's for that. If we need, I'm going, I want to fix it now. You know what? Sometimes we need to wait and let God work in it. That, that's hard for me. And it might be hard for you, but it's a lesson we need to learn. I need to learn. <coughs> you need to learn. Let's learn to wait on God. Because I have news for y'all. God's solution is way better than mine. God right now sees everything. He see, we see the next step. Or we see where we are right now. God sees where you are 40 years from now. Right now. He sees it all at one time. He sees the big picture. God knows how it all fits together. Did you know there's nothing going on in our world that God is not aware of? God's in control. It might not seem like it. But God's in control. Let's stand up. Let's wait on God. Verse 15. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. It's God. Can we realize that ultimately the battle belongs to the Lord? Judah was preparing to fight a battle that wasn't hers to fight. This was God's battle. Don't we be, don't we do the same thing? We spend half our life wanting to fight. We want to fight this, we want to fight that. Then we become a Christian, we want to fight the devil. Can I tell you that nowhere in Scripture 
does God command us to fight the devil? You know what he says? He says, resist the devil and draw near to God. You know what Jesus said when the devil wanted to fight? Jesus says, it is written. Let God do the fighting. The battle is God's. Well, maybe if I can't fight the devil, I'm going to fight other Christians. We do that too, don't we? It's pitiful. The battle's the Lord's. The only way to fight the devil is to let God do the fighting. It is written. Resist. Let God have the battle. Let God fight the battle. We're his children. Verses 16 and 17. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Juriel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Can I tell you that even though ultimately the battle is the Lord's, don't abandon the battlefield. God doesn't tell us, this is my battle, you sit in the pew. We still need to show up for the fight, amen? If you're going through a health crisis, turn it over to God, but fight. If you're going through a marriage crisis, turn it over to God and fight for your marriage. If your kids have gone crazy, turn your kids over to God and fight for your kids. Do your part. Do your thing. Understand it's the Lord's. But the Lord never calls us to sit still. He always says, walk in the Lord. Walk in the Spirit. Even if God does the fighting, show up for the battle. Don't withdraw from life. Too many people say, well, it's just no use. This virus is going to get us anyway. My husband's going to leave anyway. My kids are going to do this anyway. No matter what I say. Can I tell you that the outcome of the battle is certain? Jesus has already won. And I want to bring us into something very personal right now. You might be fighting a health crisis or you might be with a loved one who's fighting a health crisis. And we pray to God to heal us or to heal our loved one. Can I tell you that if you're a Christ follower, our life is eternal. We need to think about eternal things. We pray for God to heal our loved one. Or we pray for God to heal us. Can I tell you God's going to answer that prayer? God will heal every sickness. God will heal your sickness. God will heal the sickness of your loved one. The question is, will he heal it this side of eternity or the other side of eternity? If you're a Christ follower, don't get so tied up to this life in earth that we think, well, if this life isn't what I think it ought to be, then things are just awful. 
If you are a Christian and a Christ follower, the battle's certain Jesus wins. And if you've trusted him for your salvation, you're going to spend eternity with him. That's what this life is all about. This life is to prepare us for eternity. You see, those that are born again, they only die once, but they're born twice. You're born physically at your birth. But somewhere during life, you're born again spiritually, and you die once physically. But at that death, that death is simply a transition. You just leave this earthly plane for eternity with the Lord. You're only going to die once. Those who are not Christ followers, they'll only be born once, but they're going to die twice. They're born physically, then they die physically, and then they die spiritually. Have you ever thought about that? As Christ followers, yes, Christ wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. But can we realize the battle's already won? You may be going through hard times financially. You might be going through hard times with relationships. You might be going through a hard time with your health. But can I tell you, it's only temporary. The outcome of the battle is certain. God told them right here, this is my battle. Victory is certain. You haven't fought the battle yet, but you win. Someone put on my friend's Facebook. I had a friend that I went to high school with pass away with COVID this past week. He was a doctor. And he was a Christian. And they said, John lost his battle with COVID. And his daughter put it up there. No, he didn't lose it. He won. He's in heaven with the Lord. He won that battle. We say so-and-so lost their battle with cancer. No, they didn't. If they're Christians, they won. Things not, may not be wonderful down here. You see, God never promises us things will be perfect down here. But what he does promise us is to give us our daily bread. Give us what we need. And to prepare us for eternity. Don't abandon the battlefield. Don't withdraw from life. Don't fear, don't be anxious because the outcome is certain. The Lord's already won. We sing victory in Jesus, but we walk defeated. We sing, oh, I love Jesus. Won't it be wonderful there? We, we get excited, we have our heads up, and we, then we go through those doors and we put our head down and life crushes us. Don't leave the battlefield. Verses 20 to 24. So they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe as prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. As they went out before the army, they were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, 
Moab and Mount Seir who had come before against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of uh, Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. So for, don't abandon the battlefield. Next, it's a matter of attitude, <coughs> verses 18 and 19. When you turn the matter over to God, give it up to him in worship. And it says they sang loud and they sang high. You know, God told us we should give a joyful noise. When you're afraid, when you're anxious, worship. Praise God, and when you praise, make it loud and make it proud. Oh, how I love Jesus. And don't just sing it in the church house. Sing it going down the road. I came up to Red Light the other day and there was this girl next to me. Boy, she was, I don't know what she was singing, but she was singing to the top of her lungs. She had her window down. It was Friday when, the, when it was nice. And I had my window down too. And she couldn't carry a lick. She couldn't <laughs> sing. But you know what? She was singing it loud. She was singing it proud. That's what we need to be doing with our praise to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. People today won't even think you're crazy. They'll think you got earbuds in and you're talking to somebody else. It's all about our attitude. We're either going to walk defeated or we're going to walk victorious. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, Jesus has won. Victory in Jesus. Let's walk victorious. Let's not walk defeated. Let's don't walk afraid. Now can I tell you COVID is real? Can I tell you our country's crisis is real? Can I tell you what the world's going through? It's a real thing. But can I tell you on top of that, God's in charge. And God's got this. We should take things seriously. God gave us a brain. We ought to use our brain. Don't abandon the battlefield, but it's a matter of attitude. The great British preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a cholera epidemic had broken out all across Europe. And I'm paraphrasing what Charles Spurgeon said. But he said, if cholera should come back next year, I'm going to go visit people and take care of the sick and comfort the sick. And he says, if cholera should take me, I'm ready to go home. It's all about our attitude. We just read there in verses 20 to 24, God has crazy battle plans, doesn't he? God says, I'm going to fight this battle. You just go show up. And when they got there, God turned those people all on each other and they all killed each other. God took care of it. Remember when Joshua was, was leading the Israelites into Canaan and they came to Jericho, which is the most heavily fortified city in, in Canaan? God's battle plan was to walk around the walls. Do it once every day for six days. 
Then on the seventh day, walk around the wall, and when you walk around the walls, blow a trumpet and shout. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I don't know that I can see General Lee or General Grant in the Civil War saying, now, fellas, here's what we're going to do. We've got them surrounded. We're just going to walk around their encampment. And then the, when we attack, we're just going to blow the trumpet and shout. Not a good, they don't study that at West Point, right? That, that's not in battle strategies 101. Can I tell you, God has crazy battle plans. Sometimes what God does makes absolutely no sense. But can I tell you, if you're a Christ follower, he's the general. Our job is just to trust him and let God do what it is God does. Even if we don't understand what's going on, God does. Then finally, verses 29 and 30. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Letting God fight our battles will bring a mighty witness and it will also bring peace. When God won this battle, all the nations around Jehoshaphat said, what a mighty God. God there's a God that's taking care of Judah. And they left Judah alone. The Jehoshaphat and his kingdom had peace. When God brings you through your valley, if you come through your valley in such a way that honors God, other people are going to say, what a mighty God we serve. Too many Christians get focused in the present. I don't know why God would do this. I don't know why God's putting me through this. I don't know why God does this. I don't know why God does that. When Ann was sick with cancer, I got to witness to folks that I never would have met had Ann not gotten sick. Ann got to witness to her doctor. And she'd tell anybody that listen about her God. The problem that our Christians and our world's Christians have done today is we focused attention on ourselves and not on God. When we preach a message and we sing the song, What a Mighty God We Serve, there's a world out there that's listening. And when we come through the valley, when we live differently, when we talk differently, when we act differently, there are going to be people that say, why are you acting this way? Why aren't you losing your mind like everybody else is losing their mind? We get a chance to tell them, can I tell you about God? Can I tell you about Jesus? The reason I'm acting this way is because God's in charge of all this. Let me tell you about my God. We live in a world that makes much of ourselves and not much about God. And it needs to be the other way around. We need to make much about God and little about ourselves. God is bigger than your past. God is also bigger than your fear. He's bigger than your anxiety. He's bigger than your worry. He's bigger than your concern. 
You just need to turn it over to Him. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, thank You for loving us. Thank You for this lesson that You have written in Your Word about King Jehoshaphat and Judah. And I pray that we would not just read this as a Bible story, but understand there's critical life lessons here. That it's okay to admit we're afraid, but we need to turn our fear and our anxiety and our concern over to you. I pray, Father, if there's someone here that's going through a hard time this morning, that's going through a valley, I pray you would give them the courage to turn it over to you and to let you fight the battle. Give them strength. Give them courage to keep going. In Jesus' name, amen.